Welcome back, haters. We're back with another episode of You Hate to See It, where we talk about all the shows you love and hate to see. I'm KP, and as always, I'm here with the magic man, Mikey Dimes. What's up, everybody? Mikey Dimes here for you. Jeez. I got my man, Dr. Hate, in the building. D-Wild. Dr. Hate, Dr. Fate, man. What's good? And of course, I got the movie man, Tommy Scorsese. What's up? Bracken, bracken. We got a very special episode today because we're gonna talk about man. I'm not even. I'm gonna save the hyperboles for later, man. We we got one of those ones from Succession. So we're gonna talk about America Decides, episode eight of season four of Succession. But first, if you're not caught up, if you're not watching Succession live week to week, you're an idiot. Get the fuck out of here. Go find another pod. Just insulting our listeners. All right, yeah. So yeah, get out of here. You know, if you don't want to be spoiled, because we spoiling everything. Correct. So, fellas, let's hear, it, man. Well, what do we think, man? Did America decide? Did election night live up to the hype? Hey, man. I'll say this, in the words of. The greatest show that ever was or will be in Game of Thrones, power is power. And that's one thing I saw from this, like just the amount of sway that these people really have in one room is kind of like unfathomable to think about because, like you know, it's just weird because it just makes it look like this is like how it probably really is. And <laughs> it's just, it's, it's kind of sad that, that it's like this one family essentially can do all this to uh to regimes to economic systems and it's just it's kind of mind-blowing how nonchalantly they go about the whole thing so but yeah this was this was probably my favorite episode of the whole series to be honest that shit was fast paced it was like all right we're going here boom 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 people were making moves quick it was just it was actually pretty funny too as one of the funnier episodes i think i've seen of the other thing of um the series so yeah this was like you said kp this is one of them one of them ones. Shit was manic. Shit was frantic. I mean, I you, I felt nervous. Like I was actually waiting for the president to be announced, right? And I was like, "But nigga, I don't fucking live in succession world or whatever. Ain't no fucking Jared Menken walking through them doors." But it was. It, it really puts you in like in the hot seat, right? I was getting vibes back to 2016 in terms of like this is a pivotal moment in terms of where you can change. I think. You know, and, and I mentioned this to y'all, I think they merged elements of both 2016 and 2020 elections into this. Um, but in yeah, terms of like, yeah, but in, in terms of like, I get, you know, the in, the sitting president was, you know, it was not making, you know, it was kind of an inflection point. It was up for, for something new. So I thought it, you know, that kind of makes it more of a of a boiling point and adds to the suspense of kind of where the trajectory of the country is going to be. Right, right. Tom, what you think? So, I mean, I won't say it's one of my favorite episodes of the series, but probably this might be my second favorite of this season. And I'll also say like this back half, well, it's not back half. Ever since Logan died, I think everybody watching the show probably he died in episode three. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You thought it would fall off a little bit, like ah, we ain't got. Lo- I ain't miss Logan in probably two, three eps now. You know what I'm saying? Sue me. I mean, I it's not really. I mean, he definitely could have fit in in some places, but like 
they got enough going on to where, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sweating there being like the, you know what I'm saying? The real puppet master um, pulling the strings in this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was piggyback what they're saying. It's definitely an elite episode. Um, I think it started off very slow. Oh, I won't say very slow, but it started off like pretty steady. And then like once they started turning it up after um, they figured out that there was uh, after Shiv spoke with, not Shiv, excuse me, after Kendall spoke with Nate, and uh, Jimenez, that's when it started to really start to build some traction. You kind of like, okay, I see what's now that I know where his head's at. Like, I mean, we can get into it into the episode, but once I realized Kendall's one hundred percent more focused on screw this election, who's going to help me stall this Gojo deal, or you know what I'm saying, kill this Gojo deal? That's his number one focus, even on election night. So once I saw that's where everybody was going, um, I knew we were in for it. Yeah, man, this. This episode one was amazing, but this one was for the conspiracy theorists. This was for the tin foil hat wearers that, like, you know, like literally the Roy kids. We talk about how dumb they are. Well, not dumb, but we talk about how incompetent they are yeah. at what they do every week. And these motherfuckers just picked the president of the United States, man. Like, that shit is nuts, bro. That shit is nuts. And that shit really made me, like, I'm not, like, I've always been kind of, like, cynical about politics. But, like, that mm-hmm. made me, like, I was like, bro, like, they definitely really be doing this shit, bro. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not far <laughs> off, right? Like you said. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if you can say it's a direct picking of it, right? But I think they can heavily influence it, right? If you're yeah. throwing money, you're... Even to the point where they're choosing which stories to run as they're yeah. they were badgering Tom about like you picking up Wisconsin or you picking up the fires or which ones. Uh, He's like, I've got to figure out which story that I want to fan the flame for, right? And it's like, well, they could very easily do that in real life and you know, influence certain things and make, you know, people, you know, because if they're controlling a, a prominent news outlet that's controlling information that's been sharing, while yes, you have tons of information available to you. You're not looking at all of it, right? So they're they're heavily influencing, you know, the way people's opinions and perceptions are being molded. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's crazy how much power these people have, and they don't deserve even a little bit of it. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah. given to them. Like it's it's like you can really make the case that Logan holding on was like preventing his kids from like just literally sending the world to shit. You know. So yeah, I mean, would he not have sent the world to shit himself? I think he would have done it. It would just be a different Roy, but he. I mean, that's only only because they pissed him off. But yeah, maybe. I mean, he literally picked Mencken. The nigga said the Republicans are easier to work with. He picked Mencken. I mean, because of Roman, though. But yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But here, this, this is what I wanted to start off with. Did, all right, so this is kind of like an episode where, you know, all the facades, you know, come falling down. You know, everybody is kind of exposed for who they really are. People's true colors are laid bare. And, like, we, we've always talked about, like, how we think these people are not not good people and things like that. But, like, seeing them in this, like, political context where you have um, legit, like, right-wing psychos, you know, like, burning fucking election offices you know does that make you look at these guys any different uh than before i know i think it's kind of just sheds light on 
on a reality of the situation. I mean, what were they saying in um, in the 2020 election or 2021 election or whatever it was, uh, stop the count because they, they wanted mm-hmm. Republicans wanted people to stop the count. They essentially were they were legit debating political ethics in a room for about 20 minutes on whether or not they should legit run the story that Wisconsin is for Republicans or not. Like that is, that shit does happen. We saw it. We saw it happen. And then it, it, it was just weird, not weird, but it's like surreal, I guess. I see you have an outline, like what does it mean? Like how other countries view our political system, like British writers talking about American politics. Like it, it's just weird that, it is spot on. It is. It's weird that we live in a society where this is a thing that happens, right? Like, yeah. Like Minkin, like Minkin was saying, he wants to say, even if I lose, I want the narrative to be that it was the most impressive win of all time. I mean, where we where we heard that from? He's legit LeBron, saying, Donald, Donald we're going to brainwash our constituents. We're going to brainwash our voters to no matter what that these dudes are going to be armed and and ready to go. Like I thought, I thought that we were going to kind of see, honestly, a little bit more violence from either right wing or left wing. I didn't know how they were going to spin that. But I thought we were going to see more violence, like, um, like uh, the Capitol on on January sixth. That's what I was kind of going to get. I were getting, and they were going to spin that. But we saw it with the with the bomb, the fire in Wisconsin. Like, it's just surreal that. These people who, I mean, essentially not the same government, but they're able to to key in on on these on these key issues like that. And they're able to. I mean, I don't think they need. I don't think they need to show it, right? I think they they showed it like the influence and in the and and what they have in fanning the flames, right? They can either choose to put out these fires or they can choose to amplify them. When Roman goes down there and gives Ravenhead like bro a, a twenty minute ISO and niggas just <laughs> niggas just spewing fascist hate for for, for like twenty. No, Ravenhead was going crazy. Like <laughs> like that, right. that shit was crazy. Ravenhead might be worse than Megan. Megan at least got some charm to him. Ravenhead just be just letting that shit fly. Spew no, hey, nobody to bounce it back. Nigga was just go ISO by himself. <laughs> James Harden with the basketball, bro. Nigga, twenty <laughs> seconds just dribbling it out. Like it was actually crazy how much. And then Roman's the one that gave him the talking points, right? He just said, "Hey, man, just go and do your thing, bro." Gave him the talking points for it and just let him spew the fascist hate for you know twenty minutes on air to amp up the base, right? And to get that base excited. And I think that's even scarier than actually seeing the visual, like they literally did voter sabotage, like they burned votes down to the ground, right? We saw yeah. how they how they influence people to like continue that behavior and encourage them to amplify it, right? There were voter intimidation with those those vans uh, picking people up and kidnapping them. Bro, yeah, they just slid past that false flag. I was like, yo, I was like, yo. They're just picking people up and dropping them off. I mean, isn't that the shit that they was doing in in Texas, where they was picking people up and dropping them off in um, up in like Democrats' estates and shit? Shit, probably. Shit, Tom, what did this change your opinion on the on the kids or the people involved at all, or like you just kind of roll with it, or like the politics of it? Um, I mean, just like kind of seeing it in a in a political uh, context, you know, seeing how these kids behave, like when literally the future of the country is at stake. Does that like change your perspective at all? 
not really. I think uh, Shiv, or geez, I, won't, I won't speak to characters necessarily, but like I feel like the in this show, the liberal voices or the people who are uh, not as conservative, we'll say, yeah, are the no. quiet. Like, there's not much we don't we don't hear much of them. Like, they got a couple lines. Shiv's getting like thrown to the back. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Jimenez had like four lines, maybe. You know what I'm saying? But Mankin's talking. We're we're hearing him talk. We're we're gonna we want to empathize with him. We want to know what, why he's thinking or not empathize. We want to know what he why he's thinking what he's thinking. We want to hear uh, Roman go in the uh, the room with was it Darwin, Greg, Tom? I don't know who else. I think I don't know if it was a control room or what. But he was like, who was his name? Uh, we're gonna go with the what I my personal favorite. The blacks and the Jews. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it's that's real bad. Like, like come on. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like I think the politics of it, uh the with the more, I guess, right wing side, like being in your face and more, you know, brash about their uh I don't say characteristics, but uh their views, I think that matches up exactly with what I would have thought coming into it. Like they're gonna be the more, you know what I'm saying, uh more chaotic side versus like the left who's going to be more, I'm not saying peaceful in any way, shape or form, but just like not really, not really saying as much more or more reactionary kind of like Shiv was Nate, all those guys versus the other side, which is like, all right, we got to make our own, you know, make our own pile to quote Logan. What I would, what I would say with this, when it comes to the kids and their politics, I don't think I'm surprised by either way these guys were leaning. I don't think politics is something like, that's that big of a deal for them. I think their politics is money. Their mm. their politics is what's getting me the most bread. I think if Jimenez was able to work and uh, offer him a deal that uh, Minkin was, was willing to offer them, I think they'd be able to. They were would be willing more willing to talk to Jimenez more so more so uh, Kendall. I think Roy is kind of uh, Roy. I think um, uh, what's what's Kieran's name? Yeah, I'm right. I think. Roman is more so locked in on Minkin because that's just his dude. And he wants he need he needs to win and wants to win. And he knows if he can get this done, his trajectory and what everyone thinks of him and all that goes out the window because he knows he's now the man. I think the same thing with Siobhan. I think that she's obviously the most political person out of the Roy family, but at the end of the day, she's making moves that are gonna benefit her. And what she's trying to get done, which is why we see her um, rocking with Gojo, is why we see her, I think, essentially fighting as hard as she did. So, in in terms of politics and how this is all playing out, I mean, I I don't I don't think the kids really see it. Like when they're when they're that rich, politics is like, I mean, it's all right. What can this guy do for me lately? That's what it is. And I don't think yeah, you just look at it in red. The power, the money. They couldn't care less about the money. Money doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. You know, we just heard Connor say, "Oh, I just burned a hundred million dollars on on this election, nigga. You knew you wasn't gonna get no votes. You weren't fooling nobody. <laughs> he did, he did that for a percent, one percent. Didn't even get the single state. And then, like, and Willow was like, are, well, are you still gonna be rich?' And he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, but it's you know just a hundred million dollars less. <laughs> it's, it's the power. They want the influence, and that's that's what Logan had. He had influence. Mm-hmm. Now all of them are fighting for said influence." And that's why Roman is feeling like top dog right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Good episode for Roman, right? Hold you, we see one. We're gonna see yeah, one soon. If, 
if you like Nazis. Um, I mean, he likes Nazis. <laughs> he like, I mean, yeah, he like he likes Nazis right. picking up his phone call at least. Don't tell right. me, Nick. Don't tell me, Nick is still Roman Hive, man. Come on. Hey, but, I don't think you could be Hive anybody high. on this show. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's fast. All right, so let's get into some of these some of these plot points. Um, so we we start off cold open. Tom and Greg, you know, Tom's feeling the pressure on election night. Um, and this was like, you know, there's a lot of Tom and Greg, you know, interspersed throughout this episode. So, you know, oh, what do we think about how Tom and Greg were kind of operating, you know, from the beginning, you know, doing the coke or whatever to like the end where, you know, Tom is essentially the executioner and sending Greg to go, you know, anoint a new president. So how do, how do we think about, you know, how that duo kind of moved throughout this episode? Because they look pretty good. I, w- I want to start because I want to point out the fact. Is anybody going to talk about the fact that this nigga Tom is not sleep slept in like a week? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, like, man, he kicked all the people out of his house and got some shut eye, right? He didn't get man, no shut eye. <laughs> they did not leave. <laughs> he was looking us square in the eyes to the end of that episode. Um, yeah, Tom, Tom ain't slept in a minute, and that's why he's sitting there doing ski in front of a uh, dry erase smart boards. Um, so, but I do think this was, it was just cool to see because in, uh, I like the fact that, like I said, these last few episodes, they're not going from, uh, like bouncing around from, uh, different scenes. I mean, not scenes, uh, different sets or different rooms or whatever. They're all at Waystar. Yeah. They're all the Waystar this whole time. So being able to see Tom and Greg go from a conference room, I mean, from, uh, the office, uh, to a conference room, to the newsroom to another boardroom. Like they're just moving around, but they're they're right here. Like that was, it was like the old Tom and Greg times. You know what I'm saying? With you, you know, homie, you will be right here. I need you bringing me coffee. I need yeah. some tea, and I need you to go ahead and go ahead and tell them that we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, call Wisconsin. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it was cool to see them back, uh, the team back together. But yeah, Tom, uh, no, I felt bad, man. I felt bad for Greg, though. He was like, I need Greg gregging tonight. I was like, damn, nigga. Like, he's like, I'm not, that's not me anymore. Like, I don't do coffee anymore. Tom and his back to like, I was like, Greg, come on, man. F- push back a little more. And like, I feel like, you know, he, he ended up doing it towards the end, but I feel like I, he should have, he should have pushed back on Tom more. Like, Tom, I feel like Greg's in a better position than Tom is because Greg actually, like, Kendall, Kendall and them are starting to fuck with Greg. Greg was out partying with Matson last night. Whereas that nigga Tom is on the chopping block. He's just holding this together. And then that nigga is fired. Nobody likes him on either side of the situation. So Greg could have big dicked him a little more. This, uh, this is a weird episode for Greg, in my opinion. Like, I think in the perspective of Tom, I think it was a good episode just because I didn't realize that he's as competent at his job as he is. Like, I I think as like the leader of ATN, I, I think he actually does a good job. You can see him giving pushback yeah. when people were trying to tell him, no, you need to do this. Like, no, we're doing this because we're getting stat- we're getting notes and stats from all our reporters that we need to run this story. You, you want to do this because y'all have your agendas, but we can't just try to spin this right now. But I like how he was pushing back. I think that Greg, though, I think that Greg might always just be a Greg. You know what I mean? Like, I think when he got when he got emasculated by Shiv in that room up there, saying, do you think I'm sexy? If you try to fuck me, I'll kill you. I think he realized, like, oh, like, I'm just, I'm not close to that level yet. 
and he just like walked out the room with his tail between his legs. And it's like, damn, Greg. Hey, I mean, guess guess what though? He hey, fucked shit. No, it's like, guess what? He did hey, fucked. Because <laughs> hey, still fucked, right? That's what you can say. <laughs> she wanna talk <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm just saying it continues a metaphor. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, Where's his trajectory, really? I don't mean I don't. I just think that he's just gonna he's gonna be meant to break a few Greglets or whatever the hell Tom mm-hmm. says. So Post it's just like, it's, yeah. I mean, I just think like that's just how yeah. he's, he's meant to operate. I don't think he's gonna be meant to. He's gonna be meant to be someone's number two, and I think he's kind of realizing like I'm not gonna be that guy. And that's the kind of vibe I got because he was just being bitched around the whole episode. The hey guys, can we? Uh, he can't. He just like running after people. Just like like just seems like sweaty and shit but i think he did like the power because when he was talking to that random chick he's like yeah i think i gotta go tell him to call it and he just like was nervous and he just started smiling like wow i actually have a modicum of power to where i'm helping decide the fate of the country right now and he, he you could tell he kind of it got him off a little bit it looked like so hey f- yeah. first of all we respect Jess on this podcast. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you gonna call the only black chick on the show? <laughs> random, random chick? chick? Like, damn. Like, I see her. Yeah, she's been Kendall's <laughs> assistant <laughs> since, since the whole show. She ain't been on this season that much then. No, she hasn't. She hasn't. She, she has not had much screen time, but she has been a part of the, the show for a minute. But, but yeah, don't sleep on Greg, man. Greg is... is Really in a good spot, you know what I'm saying? He's he's learned that he got a gem from Tom at the beginning of the episode. He said, hey, it's like a, information. It's like a fine wine, you know, because he was like, hey, you want to team up and, and uh, you know, kill her, you know, fuck her up a little bit? And Tom was like, hey, you got to play, you know, just you know, do your thing. Mm-hmm. And, hey, Greg knew exactly what to do. He did. Exactly. He did play his hand at the perfect time. I think it's a good episode for Greg. Like, Tom's the one that's like, this. Tom's the one that I feel like is in a weird situation. And it's for, oddly enough, for the exact reasons you said, Dante, for the exact reasons you said, Mike, it's bad for Mike. I mean, bad for Mike. Bad for Tom because, just like you said, like, don't nobody fuck with him. Like, you need to hurry up. Once he gets his, uh, gets through this the election process, cool. We're going to go ahead and uh, toss him out the window, whether it's us or whether it's uh, Man, uh, Matson. Matson. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to get rid of you. Um, Greg, who I'm assuming, recognizes that. He's like, all right, cool. Like, Tom's about to be gone. I don't need to tie my, you know what I'm saying? My loyalties like still ride with Tom, but like I need to make a name for myself. So Greg made a play. He T snitched to who? He talked to Ken. Well, I'm not saying well, you just went to Kendall and was like, well, yeah, let me tell you what I found out from Madsen last night. You know what I'm saying? So like Greg's definitely moving and shaking. Like everybody's giving him opportunities, just like you said, Mike. They're giving him chances to do stuff. So as long as he uh, just like uh, takes that nugget that Tom said. If he uses the information he has wisely, he'll always be a main player within the game. I think that the information that uh, Tom gave him was the probably the best gem anybody, any advice he's ever gotten or anyone on the show has probably, got, probably gotten. It's just that when I look at Greg, I feel like people are fucking with him for the wrong reasons. Like people like him, not for the reasons he wants to be liked. Like you said, yeah, I mean, Matson was very... Uh, he's, he's told, said a lot of things, but he said he treated him like shit. And I feel like <laughs> Greg is treated like shit, but it's because he allows them people to treat him like dirt. So they comes off as, as like disarming. And yeah. I mean, if he likes that, if he, if he's like, Oh, whatever, at least I'm, I'm in the door doing that, then fine. But 
I feel like he doesn't like that. I feel like he doesn't like coming off as a little bitch that people can just do whatever. So, oh, it's Greg. I mean, what is he going to do? I mean, yeah, you get you get in the door, you get information that you need, but at the end of the day, when you're constantly disrespected, I mean, how often can you take that? Is what I'm is what I'm getting at. So, man, Greg making a meal and taking down models, bro. Greg was yakking in yeah. a teddy bear costume when we first met him, bro. Greg is up. Greg, <laughs> Greg take whatever is up. Take to get where he's trying to go. Facts, facts. So yeah, good good Tom and Greg episode, but um, then we move on to the kids, and you know they're in the I guess the little war room upstairs, and like you can already tell from the beginning, it's like very contentious. You know, Roman and Shiv are going at it, like two um, politically inclined kids. Uh, fucking Kendall is like fucking straddling the fence. He don't want to be on either side, but you know he's trying to play like. Like he's going for Jimenez. Actually, I'm gonna call him Jimenez because, as I'll Jim. say later, hey, he's not him. <laughs> Hell no, he's not him. But yeah, so a lot of good stuff here. Um, Shiv is wheeling and dealing with Matson and Nate. Roman gets a call from Mankin and kind of exits Kendall out of their relationship, which is big. And then uh, Ken gets a call from Rava, um, kind of scared. So. What do we kind of think about this kind of section here about how the siblings were kind of interacting throughout up until the end? Shit went yeah. on shit. Talking about wheeling and dealing. Shit went on shit. She was just, she was frantic. She was, the reason this episode was as frantic as it was because she was just happened to be somewhere like getting on somebody's nerves. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just saying like I've been shitting on shit heavy lately, but like she really got me hot. But anyway, um, she, uh, yeah, she was just like, She's just around and she's just talking and saying stuff. Because even when Kendall was like, "Oh, what did she actually say?" He was like, like oh, "Well, that, uh, he was, uh, was saying that she was doing the Kindle." And I'm like, "All right, see, this ain't you." Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like that out the gate, that's when I knew she was rattled. She was cooked. Um, Roman, horrible episode. For Roman's Kendall's always story. been a good like I don't want to say executioner, but like I think we've talked about it probably in last season's pod. But like Jerry was getting the CEO position for interim or for however long it was. Um, we agreed was a good move because whenever there's a plan uh, etched out, Jerry was good at executing said plan. And I feel like that's kind of rubbed off on Roman, even though I think he's always kind of had that uh, skill. I think this just goes to show like, all right, I have, I'm about to get the homie in, uh, in the Oval Office. That's the, that's the plan. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. So he already was in contact and had been in contact with making the whole time. Meanwhile, he was like, yo, uh, Kendall, you uh, you got an inside look with uh, Jimenez, and he was like, "Oh, uh, uh, I can, I can reach out now." Like, you ain't, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you haven't been doing your job. Like, I got making on the phone right now. He don't want to meet with you, like, just like that. So, um, I think every like as far as uh, just the that the middle part where they were trying to figure out where uh, everybody each other's head was at. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just saw it from from the go. Everybody showed exactly what's going on. Kendall was trying to use everybody else's information to try to make a quote unquote educated decision. When we know at the end of the day, his whole, uh, the whole thing was just for him. What's going to help me be the, the one uh, crown at the end, um, one crown in the chair at the end versus uh, us three working together. Roman's just trying to get the homie in office. All right, cool. Once I get that done, I can pretty, whatever happens from there, I'm good. And then Shiv, like I said, she's just rattled. 
She can cry about uh, Pop's passing. She can talk about Greg trying to snake her or whatever the case is. She was just rattled from the jump. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on it. Like, like you said, like a little bit. We saw a little bit last season. When it comes to Roman, Jesus Christ, tough. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, whenever you see Roman like fixated on something, like fixated on a task, I think he shows like, all right, he can be competent. Um, and then Kendall also touched on it. Like he was, he was saying that he thinks he. I mean, I don't think he was being honest. That's that's sincere when he said he feels threatened by Minkin and Roman's relationship. But I think he just feel. I think he feels like, all right, he Roman is trying to vie for power. He is. He sees his way to the top over Kendall. And he, like Kendall stated, like I've said, he said he's seen himself doing the job by himself. He wants to do the job by himself, but he also wants the family there. So. That's the way I kind of see how Kendall feels threatened, um, but yeah, I think it was it was just it was just weird. Cause I don't know why like Roman loves Minkin so much. Like, I don't get like I know that, like he he picked him, but like why like why you could have picked anyone else. I just don't get why that relationship right there is just so like I don't know. I mean, I, I think he just likes the he likes the access. He likes the proximity of power. He likes you know he's seen the the access. Look at. Look at how much access Logan had to the last president, right? He was over there talking to him the whole time, trying to get him to get rid of this whole FBI investigation that ended up not meaning shit at all, right? And Roman is trying to use that same kind of logic, that same kind of scenario in order to give himself power and prove that, you know, he should be running the show by himself because he's the one with the connections and he's the one with the influence, right? Whereas Kendall is... You know, I think he's he's threatened. He's jealous of the fact that he doesn't really have connections with with anyone in this. And it's like, well, if Roman's guy gets it in, then Roman's got a better better argument for leading the company, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, right after Minkin wins, first person he calls is Roman. You know, that kind of that kind of power, being able to swing that around, like I have the president in my pocket, like that's that's pretty major, you know, if there's going to be a co-CEO situation and one of them has the president's fucking personal cell phone number and the other one is just out in the cold, I mean, who has more leverage in that situation. So, and, you know, there's definitely a threat there uh, for Kendall. And as for why Roman would pick Mankin, I mean, I just feel like they just have like a kind of weird, kind of like alt-right racist, but like, kind of like i mean yeah do we not do we not think roman is racist like come on yeah man. i was like what i was like why we've been dancing around it that nigga's racist like he's roman roman sucks roman is racist as like like he's literally like just a a a rich racist white dude like that that dude is a shithole yeah kind of sucks (laughs) so Let's let's talk about let's talk about Kendall and Rava, because you know they just like every single one of their arguments is just like doesn't even have to be like this, bro. Like if y'all would just like both just be decent parents, then like it could just be so much better. But yeah, Rava calls Ken, and Rava's like, "Oh, there's people following me," and Ken's like. Oh yeah, I, I told him to. All right, first of all, communication is key, y'all. Come on, come on. And then, you know, he's trying to reassure, you know, Sophie. We got a glimpse of Sophie there, you know. Exit poll, say Jimenez, I won't let the world push you. Well, honey, you got a storm coming. <laughs> because, uh, 
because fucking Macon is is in power and the world is about to push the hell out of you. So, you know, we got that scene with Roman uh, in the trailer when he's like out in the middle of that riot. You know, we got two episodes left, so that you know we know that's coming. So I'm thinking uh, Mikey said something about that January sixth insurrection. Mm-hmm. I think we might get a little something similar, some some riot action. You some know, nice backlash action. Yeah, with the some with this election, you know, kind of being debated. So yeah, I'm 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 liking it. I'm liking it. I don't know. We're gonna get riot, we're gonna get like protest action. You think they're gonna be able to squeeze that in in the last two episodes? Next episode is the is the funeral. It was in the trailer, so shit. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna squeeze that in. Well, I don't give a shit about the Kendall and Rava dynamic. They could honestly cut that shit from the show. Like I don't give a fuck about Kendall trying to act like he's a fucking like nigga your ass you don't give a shit about your kids you don't give a shit about like this you being a parent right it's just like uh it's so draining anytime i see him i was like because this shit is just gonna piss me off right it's (laughs) like why why do they even have the the storyline in there but i guess it's just to add the layer of like how shitty of a parent it is i guess oh he feels bad about it but then continues to like do shitty things so it's like does it really matter that he feels bad about it because he's just gonna keep doing whatever you know suits him best. I'm only yeah. surprised yeah. at the final cut, to be honest. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I'm, su- I'm surprised this storyline keeps repeating itself. But I mean, it show. I guess it kind of shows. It's one way to show like internal conflict with Kendall. You know. Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I don't mind the the Kendall Rava scenes. I mean, I don't like Rava, but. Like whenever they have the uh, like whenever they're on the phone and you only get the one side of the conversation, like you can hear her on the other side, but you're just looking at Jeremy Strong being a weirdo, like just standing there, just like, like just like not shaking, but just kind of like just uh, numb to everything, whatever she's saying on the other side of the phone, ninety percent of the time. Um, they've done that a few times, and I think that's pretty cool. But I don't think um, I don't think he's I don't feel bad for the kids in the fact that. He just is uh, like just a neglectful father. Like we get that part, but I think it's the same as uh, Logan. Like there were some aspects where Logan would be sitting there with the kids and like try to have like a real conversation. You could tell he was like trying to let his guard down a little bit and try to be a father to him. But like he just couldn't commit all the way. And I think it's the same thing happening right here with Kendall. Like he's he really is trying, but he doesn't know how to do it the right way. Just like you said, all he has to do is tell Shorty like, hey, I got a car. There's going to be tailing you until you get home, whatever. But guess what? He can't do that because he's too focused on, like I said, he's too focused on whatever's going on with this Gojo deal. So, no, he's not going to go ahead and let her know about any any tales that she she may or may not have. I mean, I don't know if that's what Eric Quotes was, but he very likely could have, that very likely could not be his tale. That could just be a, a car. <laughs> like a, they see an 18 lights plate or something, it's like, okay, well, we're just going to follow them. I don't know. I, you don't really know who or what to believe 90% of the time when it, with these kids. Yeah, I'm just, um, you know, pushing back on the, the air quotes. I was just pushing back on the the notion that um, Kendall's super focused on anything because he don't be doing shit, man. He don't be focused on shit. That nigga's just always <laughs> trying to run around and have different things going on. Like, he's just... He's like, in, he's afraid to focus on one thing, so he ends up like half-assing every little thing that he tries to do. Agreed. But I think that's, but I think I, when I say focus, I mean his 
number one priority is the goat, like killing his Gojo deal. He's not thinking about the actual election. He's not thinking about his actual family. He's focused on how it's going to affect his life. Right. So the rest of this episode basically kind of boils down like three, like really like huge conversations that, that we get. The first one is probably the least, you know, monumental of them. But Tom and Shiv, you know, they go at it again after um, after the fireworks in the last episode. So Shiv comes up to Tom, you know, tries to apologize, but Tom is coked out of his gourd all day, which he was slightly, you know, oddly a little bit more effective when he's coked up. I'm not gonna lie, man. Tom was bossing people. Even, not even, not even oddly, he was a lot <laughs> more effective. Yeah, he was cooking, man. He he was running the damn show. I was like, okay, that's what we need, Tom. That mamba mentality. But yeah, so what do we think about this Tom and Shiv conversation? I just thought like coked up Tom, he, he just was not having no parts of it. You know, Shiv tells him that she's pregnant and Tom's like, wait, um, is that even true? I was like, oh shit. Like, if there's one thing to say when your girl tell you that she's pregnant, it's not that. Yeah. So, it's not that. Hey, talk about, talk about throwing a knockout punch. Like, right. We felt like coming, we felt like coming after last episode, right. That Shiv kind of had a fighting chance. She threw out some, some things to Tom and was like, Hey, you bro, she was over there calling Ooh, Tom, Tom, Tom. She was over there calling Tom servile and shit, and she was over there doing all that. And like Tom's over here being nice and and you know politely saying that I don't think you're a good mother, right? And she's like, "Well, you're a fucking pussy. Fuck you, right?" You know, bitches could talk themselves into saying that like Shiv might have won that argument, right? She didn't, but. You know, <laughs> she got knocked down. This one, she got knocked the fuck out. That nigga, that nigga responded to her saying, "I'm pregnant," which she thought was dropping a bomb and throwing a haymaker. To like, is that even real? Like, emotionless. Like he didn't even. It wasn't even phased by it too. It's not mm. like he he felt something or whatever. He was like, "See, is that like is that even real? Like, I can't even believe." Because it. it was a horrible timing on Shiv to drop it, and she yeah, thought it would rattle him. And that nigga was not rattled by it at all. What did you say, Mike? No, I mean, I agree with you. First of all, but the terrible time to, to now tell him that. And, I mean, his reaction is all her fault anyway. Like, if she wasn't such a bitch, if she wasn't always just so terrible to his man, he would have – you know Tom wanted to have a kid with this woman. You know that since the first yeah. season. But he's been beat down so much at this point. It's just like, and that's honestly the reaction I wanted Tom to give her. But as soon as he did, like, ooh, ooh, Shiv. I, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to be a good episode for Shiv. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, it, and it was not. Somehow it was all downhill. Hey, like, man, I got to make a PSA, man. I got to make a PSA, man, because we got to start acting like, like, Tom, like Tom is fucking Tina Turner. Victim of abuse. There's <laughs> <laughs> a grown ass man that has lived with the choices that he's made and being a hoe. All right. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, Shiv is mean to him, but god damn it, bro, if he ain't signed up for it. And then just two, now, three episodes ago, you're right, but just two, three episodes ago, he said, Hey, man, I was in it for the money. He told her that, you know what I'm saying? So. 
You know, yeah, like, he took it for the money. Nigga like nice things, right? Couldn't, hey, can't even blame him for that shit. Makes sense. Hey, so, you know, he got his fair share out of the deal, too. And, yes, he probably got hurt more romantically. But, I mean, this guy is literally running an election right now because of her. So, you know. Yeah, I think Tony is more deliberate this episode. So, like, just like you said, like, some of the things Shiv was saying didn't phase him. Whenever people were like, oh, well, what do you, he's like, don't care if it was your call. It's not your call. It's my call. I'm making the call. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was very deliberate this episode, which I definitely agree was because of the drugs and the lack of <laughs> But I also think it was, a, it's also his last ditch effort to, like, show that he's a comp, like, he can do a job, do his job. Like, I don't think that was ever in question. He was one of the only, him, Jerry, like, the actual, I don't know if Tom was actually part of the executive team. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the other side, the people that aren't the kids, no one ever questioned if they could do their jobs. They're all stamped. Like, they're working there for a reason. Maybe not Greg, but they're all working there for a reason. So we knew Tom could do his job, and I think this was his chance to, like, really shine and just show, like, I, like, don't get it twisted. Like, I made, she got me fucked up, but, like, I'm him. Like, I, I can do this. Um yeah. yeah, she wasn't just a nepotism hire like the children were. Like, you know, the children were, were straight nepotism. I mean, he had some nepotism promotions, but <laughs> he had some nepotism promotions. But like, nigga, this nigga Roman went to a management trainee program for 20-year-olds and then got COO and is now CEO. Like, come on. what That's nepotism at its finest, bro. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying like Frank, all of them, he was over there trying to when he was like, hey, bro, I've been running companies for like 25 plus years. You know, I've been doing CFO shit when um, Frank and Carl are over there, like Carl was trying to clap back at, at Kendall. He's like, don't fucking uh, come yeah. out here and try to squeeze my balls like I actually am, am qualified to do what I can do. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, so after after that convo, you know, we get a really heated kind of exchange about uh, making a decision to call Wisconsin for Jared Mankin. Uh, you know, there's a hundred thousand absentee ballots ballots destroyed in a in a firebombing at the election office, but um, Mankin holds the lead. So you know, they're getting a lot of pressure. ATN is uh, Romans applying a lot of pressure to call Wisconsin for Mankin. You know, we got to get ahead of this before the other, you know, alt-right news outlets do. Like, well, let's go ahead and do it. And and for a while, it seems like old Darwin is like the the one man, you know, preventing all hell from breaking loose. And then this motherfucker gets wasabi in his eye. <laughs> bro, I know that shit got a burn, bro. Boy. I can't imagine. And then that nigga topped it off with sparkling water. Like, nigga poured LaCroix on it. I was like, nigga, that shit is bubbly, bro. What are you retarded? Like, yeah, God, yeah. Yo, yo, when yeah, Tom said, it's lemon. That's y'all's king, man. Hey, chill, man. Chill. There's only so much he can do. There's only so much he can do. But that, that kind of uh, struggle for calling Wisconsin, you know, it. You can tell it's really affecting Kendall. You know, Shiv is like fighting hard. Like, no, we can't do it. It's like every vote counts. You know what I'm saying? And part of that is her own agenda. And part of that is like, you know, this is what democracy is, you know. And Kendall's, you know, going back and forth. He's battling with it. And Kendall's like, all right, everybody leave the room. 
and him and Roman gets like some one-on-one time to have like a real some real talk, man. And Roman just lays it all out there. He says, Dad's dead in the country, just a big pussy waiting to get fucked. It's a very cynical, you know, way of looking at politics. He doesn't give a fuck about who's on the ground. He just gives a fuck about the power. Nothing matters. Woo, woo, woo. So, I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier, but are you guys that cynical about American politics? I yes. mean, when, you, when we have a party system and major corporations like this can lobby politicians and other political pundits to make decisions that favor their company, i.e. ATN, lobbying Minkin to kill his deal if we get him hired. I mean, of course, this... I mean, we are currently in late stage capitalism as it is. So, as as can the wheels keep turning? Who knows? But yes, this we have every reason to be cynical about our political system. This is what happens when elites have money. They set the agenda for uh, the one percent. Set the agenda for ninety nine percent of the country, and it doesn't it doesn't affect or positively affect anyone but them. You know what I mean? So yes, this is we have every right to be cynical. We have all right to essentially want to lose hope in our democracy, essentially. I mean, we've seen this in the past elections. Mm, that brother preaching. Hey, man, that man been listening to Tara, bro. This man said <laughs> late-stage capitalism and shit. I know, I said, I, I know. I'm a this, man. Y'all know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. You, hey, I, I feel it one step away from anarchists. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> She's been working on you. But I mean, it's I, I understand what he's saying. Like Roman's looking at it in terms of like he's like, look, this dude will squash the deal. End of story. We're let's go with him, right? And then Shiv's over here trying to do a half ass plea for like, oh, but democracy, like, bitch, you th- nobody cares about that. You don't even care about that. That's why nobody actually takes you seriously when you do it. You're just he was like, but you're really just trying to do this to push your agenda and to give you influence. You've got a connection with Nate and, you know, and you can get the payout and you've got the connection with Matson, Right. This is all about personal agendas. Right. So her her kind of ploy to to democracy and the kindness just falls on deaf ears. And I think, you know, that over that, in addition to what happened next, kind of just really tips the scales on on, you know, that argument. I feel like Shiv missed a big opportunity right here, too, because if she really cared about politics, why not try to get me not making Why not try to get Jimenez and Nate in their ears? And hey, man, look, look, it's not looking good for you guys. They're about to fucking call this. We need you to, to uh, even though even though she's still rocking with Gojo. All that I, I get that, but if this if this ne- next move plays more into your agenda better than Minkin winning in, in in general, then why not just divert your plans a little bit? You know what I mean? She I didn't like even she, try. Like she gave a fake phone call, bro. You get a fake oh, well, phone maybe call. I, maybe I mistook the situation, but this kind of goes into my interpretation of shit. You never really know her real intention because she's always gaming somebody or gaming the game. You know what I mean? Like she comes off like she really cares about democracy, about the uh, American, uh, the society, whatever she wants to say. But at the same time, because she's always playing that game, you don't know a, if she's being honest or if she has, uh, or if she's trying to play towards her, her own personal um, ambitions. But at the same time, I don't think 
and maybe I'm just me downplaying it, but I don't think her and Matson. I think there is something there, but I don't think that's her main push. I think her push is why Nate didn't answer the phone, which is why I think she did call and he just didn't answer. But I think it's because she, um, because she's, like I said, she's like always kind of gamey. Um, if she were to be looked at from, uh, by the, you know what I'm saying, the greater population, if she gets looked at as another Roy, not the girl, not the liberal one, not the, once she loses that liberal aspect and she's associated with ATN and with her brothers and with Mencken, that takes all her credibility she's ever had away. And now she's just a woman in that world. So she just becomes at the, at her very best. She becomes a Sid or a Jerry or, you know what I'm saying? Like just somebody who's there, but like her whole thing is being the one that's different than everybody else. People look at her like she's smarter. They treat her like a real, for the most part, they treat her like a real person until her brothers show you they're like, no, she's a fucking clown too. But <laughs> um, I feel like that's her main thing. So that's why she's getting so emotional about it. Also accompanied with the fact that her father just passed. Also accompanied with the fact that she's pregnant. Accompanied with the fact that Tom ain't fucking with you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think it's a lot of things, but I think the main thing is the fact that not only is losing this election bad for the democracy that she keeps speaking towards, but it's bad for her because now you're just one of them or one of, you know what I'm saying? Once that's that line is drawn, you're one of us now and no, and you're just going to be looked at like one of us. People are just going to treat you that way. So Nate's not going to answer that phone. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. So yeah, the Kendall and, and Shiv conversation, that shit, Man, that shit, that was shit. Mm, that shit was deep, man. So she's like, oh, you're a good guy. You know, you know, the whole time she's just trying to set up her agenda. You know, she's just trying to further her agenda. She's telling Kendall that, you know, he's doing the right thing by, you know, trying to, by not rocking with Mankin. And like, it's tough to falter for it because, you know, it's true. It's real. You know, like, no, he shouldn't support the fucking neo Nazi, but it's all for, kind of the wrong reasons and it rings false and you can tell and yeah uh, that was definitely she definitely didn't call nate because nate would have told kendall that she tried to call so. well no i think it, it rang because remember it said like it, it went straight to voicemail or it said it was, the line yeah, it seemed like a fake number or somebody else's number or somebody or, else's oh, voicemail yeah. like she didn't call nate bro. i thought she nate, called nate, nate, nate i thought nate just didn't answer the call nope mm. Damn. She didn't call anybody. And then and then we finally get to the to the climax of the story where, you know, Greg drops the bomb, bro. All right. So Shiv gets exposed, man. So this scene was amazing. Tell me what did you guys think? You said what? I thought this scene was funny just because I feel like we get like the camera view of Shiv. Like obviously Kendall at this point knows something's going up. He walks out, you just see her staring at Kendall, looking at, at uh Greg. And then Greg does his awkward look back. He's like, okay, shit, they're obviously talking about me. And then uh, what caps it off is when Greg walks by and gives a smile. Hey, man, he gave her an offer and bitch didn't take it up on him. It's her fault. He said, so uh, what would you offer? What would you offer one like this? And then she said, yeah. fuck off, basically, and ignored it. And he was like, all right, well, you're not going to do shit for me. Why would I do anything for you? Greg the motherfucking egg. Yes, sir. Oh, he played his, he played his cards at a perfect time. Yeah. I'm confused now, bro, because didn't Kendall call Kendall called Nate when he walked out? Yeah. 
He called Nate, and I think Nate was like, yeah, she never called me. Yeah, and that was it. He called Nate, and so then he walked over to Greg, and then Greg dropped the bomb about, you know, Matson and Matson and Shiv having, like, a backdoor deal or whatever. And then he came in, and he was like, wow, so Shiv, you've been trying to fuck her. Yeah, I got to run this back, because I right. thought I thought Shiv called. It was no. disconnected, but she didn't want to look bad and be like, oh, like, try to get back on the phone. So she just tried to play it off. No. Like, she knew that... Uh, like she tried to play it off like she was on the phone with Nate, knowing she wasn't. Went back in, lied. Kendall went out, called Nate's phone. Also got the fake ring. Like, wait, so his phone's off. He's not answering our calls. So if he's not answering, he's not answering my call. Like he's not answering your call. Like, hold on. Then he calls Greg over, and then that's when that happened. So I mean, I think we're, it all ended up in the same spot. But I thought that Nate didn't answer that phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, well, you tell it was all suspicious. Like, anyways, because he was like, "I'm gonna call him," and she was like, "No, don't do that." And I was like. What the fuck? Why would I not? And then he walked out the room. <laughs> yeah. He he, he, he said, well, what he say? And she was she couldn't give a coherent answer on explaining what like they might be open to the possibility of thinking like what the fuck does that mean, Shiv? Like yeah. you're, you're yeah. making things up. Nate's yeah. kid was homie. Like I'm not saying like they're not. It's not Stewie, but like hit. They're the reason they're tight. Shiv was like just hooking up with her brother's friend. That's usually the what I was getting season one when it all went down. Yeah. That was, you know, what I'm saying. So if he answered, like when he, my thought was when he didn't didn't answer, uh, Kendall's call. Um, that's when Kendall's like, all right, something's up here, and that's why he went to Greg. But either way, Greg was a hundred percent in the right in Definitely. coughing up the information. Mm-hmm. Definitely, was, uh, Well, do you think? Do you think that, like, I know you said KP, it rings, it does ring false when Shiv. Um, it looks like she's gaming this whole thing, even though she is. Like right, but do you think it's right for for Kendall to to change or completely make his decision off of of that, off of Shiv lying, and not off of all right? Is this actually the right thing to do? Like, do y'all, what do y'all think about that? Because I feel like I mean, it's weak. He turn. Kendall didn't give a fuck about the right thing to do, though. I mean, he did though, because for a second, he just he's just mad he got crossed like Chris. That's a, he, like, he did that out of spot because Shiv had convinced him. Shiv was like, okay, you know, this is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, I forgot. My daughter's a minority. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just about to get real ugly. <laughs> it's just about to get real ugly. Niggas pushing my daughter, and she worth multiple Bs. Like, what the fuck is it going to be for, like, for real people out here? Right. You know? So, like, he had, I feel like he had kind of changed his mind to support uh, Jimenez. But... I think he was he was hesitant, but I don't know if he fully changed his mind, right? He was he was a little hesitant to press the, you know, slam on the the red button like how Roman was like, go ahead, call it, right? We're we're done. Why are we even waiting, right? He was trying to exercise a bit more caution. But I think at the end of the day, he was always gonna do that because they didn't have enough of a connection, enough of a sway, enough of influence with with Jimenez, right? They never had the, yeah. that, and it's and it was hard to bridge that gap. And I think at the end of the day, had they had they both had equal access to both parties, I think they would have went Jimenez, right? But they didn't. They had nowhere near clear um, equal access and equal influence, right? 
even when we they had the brief conversation with you, man, you like you see how uncomfortable he is with having that kind of open line communication with him and how quickly he's trying to get him off the phone. Right. So mm-hmm. I just don't think, you know, that was always going to be a really big uphill battle. And I think Kendall was always he was trying to find a reason not to go with Mencken and could never yeah. get a good enough reason. That's what that's what I think he was the whole time uh, camp to not like want to be uh friendly with atn unfortunately i get why you wouldn't but i feel like that's still like a relationship that wouldn't be bad to have in the back you know in your back pocket as a politician i feel like that wouldn't be bad uh card to be able to play i don't think kendall's thing had to do anything with politics whatsoever like i do agree that like the his daughter the daughter situation came to play like mentally and like emotionally for sure but like I said, I think was like I was saying earlier. I think his whole thing is like he was looking for the validation from somebody, and Shiv usually is like his shoulder to cry on, so to speak. So he went to her. She told him like, "Yeah, you're making the right decision." And fortunately, from her side, he was making the right decision for her too. So it's easy to push that until she got caught in the lie. And then once he caught her in the lie, it's just blood from there. Like, all right, I can't. You're the only person I even vaguely trusted. You know what I'm saying? So once she proved herself to be just like everybody else he was done. So it was just like, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Yeah. It was pretty bad too. Like watching that scene, it was like, she was Ooh. really getting bullied. Like bitch was barbecue chicken, finger licking <laughs> good, bro. Like bro, they was over, she was over there stuttering, couldn't come up with complete <laughs> phrases. I was just like, dang, this is, this is rough. She out here getting jumped. <laughs> yeah, hey, it was a tough look. It was a tough look for my gang this episode, man. It was a tough look for my girl and, and Big Matt. But, you know, we, we still got two episodes. We're going to bounce back. So, finally, ATN calls for Mencken. You know, Tom sends the message down to Greg, and Greg is supposed to relay to the control room. And Jess, you know, makes a last ditch effort to kind of like stop. And, you know, I thought this was a really good scene that they added in because it gives a perspective of the one um, like non-white person that this is like going to be affecting in the episode. I I think there might have been like two other black people in the episode, just like in the background in like Macon's camp and um, in Jimenez camp. But like Jess is the only one that only gets that really gets to say something, and like we see how like how shook she is, and you know Kendall fashions himself to be like like a progressive kind of person. He's got the you know adopted daughter. He's got Jess working for him. His driver is a minority. You know, he's, uh, last season he hired um, the um, Sanaa Lathan. Sanaa Lathan. Yeah. He hired the the Asian uh, PR lady. So like Kendall fashions himself as like this this kind of ally, but at the end of the day, you know, he de- he decides to go Mankin just because his sister hurt his feelings. So what what do we think about you know just kind of how this episode ended, and then that Mankin speech that was that was really something. So you just yeah, the last kind of ten minutes of the ad, what do, what do we think? That making speech was tough. Like nope. Nick came in and said, Yeah, no more no more compromising on on things is really what stuck out to me. He's yeah, like, on skin color, nigga. <laughs> he's like, no more compromising on he was like, No more, you know, you just showing up and getting your welfare. I was like, God, man, I was like, this 
this shit was rough. Like it was pretty, it was pretty nail on the head with how direct he was being and like, Hey, we cutting back these social services and it's either my way or the highway, get with the program type deal, like very dictatorship type vibes. But he was saying it in like a, a charming kind of way, right? Like a charismatic delivery yeah, to it. Definitely charismatic, like demagogue vibes, you know, like just the same thing with Trump, you know, Trump for all the bad shit. I mean, like he was great content. He was funny. as fuck. <laughs> yeah. so, like he just had that charisma about him, you know? So like, it's just that same kind of deal, you know, like if you stand on your soapbox and just talk bullshit, for an hour and do it with some charisma, people gonna listen, man. It's like, it's people still to this day will tell you that Kanye was making sense when he said that uh, <laughs> that slavery was a choice. So, you know, like, all you yeah. gotta do, like, if you got bars, nigga, you can <laughs> you can go places. <laughs> um, yeah, the thing is, this wasn't interesting. I think it's a great way to end the episode, just because it's it's weird how it's, it's just. Um, how people just blind blindlessly follow an order, and it's like, like what did what did their uh, mom say to them in like season one or two? It's like, I'm just following orders. Like, oh yeah, like a Nazi. It's like, yeah, you're following orders. You're doing your job, but you know what you're being told isn't right. So it's like weird how everyone had an opportunity to be like, no, we shouldn't do this, or like they had the opportunity to push back, and it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you know. Power will went out. People were scared. They don't want to lose their job, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it comes down to this. So that's kind of, that's what it reminded me of is just that the chain of command at an order takes to, it takes for order to be executed. Like Greg had his opportunity. Tom had an opportunity to say something. Tom, uh, Darwin had an opportunity to say no. Like it went through multiple channels before they actually, uh, you know, declared Wisconsin and, and Minkin, but, uh, yeah, like you guys are saying with Minkin, because to be honest, I never, I didn't, I didn't know really what to feel about Minkin. I mean, obviously, I don't fuck with him, but it's like, I feel like we didn't, we, we haven't gotten enough of him for me to be like, okay, well, you know, what, what's he, what's he like? Because, because for like what you're saying, I don't think Trump's charismatic. I think he does. I think he's hilarious. I think he <laughs> says what's on his mind, and he's good content, which is why I think people, people fuck with him. But what's scary about the speech that Minkin gave is that. He is charismatic. He has a way to make you want to listen to him. And the way he says it is eloquent. He says it very eloquently. And it's just, that is the scary combination that you can have. Like, like imagine if Trump w- was could put together a, co- a cohesive sentence and say it good without <laughs> like being a dick or saying something funny. You know what I mean? That would be scary. But with that with Minkin, it's like, okay, this is, this is the evil. This is the guy that they were trying to fight and. And it's a wonder. No, it's not a wonder, but you can see why he has all his followers. So it's just reminiscent, like reminiscent of, of I guess not Nazi Germany, but reminiscent of. I mean, essentially, really? but his speech he was getting some bars off. I will say this: I was like, damn, that was a good speech. <laughs> I mean, I, I e Ron DeSantis? Question mark? Is that want something clean and pure? And refresh. I was like, "Oh, this nigga about to do some ethnic cleansing." <laughs> that is it, very big Hitler vibes, bro. But even outside of uh, make, I mean, I agree with everything y'all said for them. But the as far as the kids, I mean, I hate to always leave Connor out, but Shiv, like the way she stormed out, like you know how she's rocking. Like she's not mad about the 
democracy or anything like that. She's not calling anybody like, oh, just show. she immediately makes a call to Matson and then she's talking about we need to come up with a plan to beat them. Mm-hmm. Saying that's exactly that's where her head's at. Roman's sitting here dancing with his phone now, sitting here like doing dances in the chair because because his boyfriend just called him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kendall, Kendall sitting here like completely stuck. Then he was like, I made the right decision. He's somebody we can do business with. Like, that's who that's where your head's at, bro. Your dog is about to get beat up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> y'all's heads at. Get your head in the game. But oh, that, I mean, that just kind of brings us where we are at this uh what's it called to to the funeral and uh this should be fun because i think everybody's gonna hit their everyone's reached their breaking point and i think we're gonna see some folks breaking down uh this next episode roman (laughs) cooking with gas that's all i'm gonna say man in the trailer boy he was like Uh the the great showman i was like oh he's piped up that man feeling himself (laughs) i just i just hope he ain't got a little too much dip on his chip man that's all i'm worried about (laughs) His chip is dipped. <laughs> uh, that's it. Definitely breaking off in the dip, man. But, <laughs> yeah. So funeral episode next. So it's got like there's definitely going to be some hysteria, hysterics going on. Somebody going to cry, and if somebody don't cry, I feel like there's going to be like a, hey, should I cry? Like should I not cry? Kind of, <laughs> kind of dialogue going on between the kids. You're like, are y'all gonna cry? Like, oh, I don't know, maybe something like that. But um, yeah. Any predictions for next app? Um, we're just gonna see all the Roy's fall out. I think either this. I mean, I feel like this episode would be a good episode for them to all have a freak out and and uh, and estrange each other from from each other. So that's what I see. I feel like like we said. I think one of us or all of us predicted that you know none of them are going to end up working with each other at the end. I think this is going to be the episode that shows the starts of those cracks and everyone's relationship. Agreed. Agreed. We yeah. see Jerry again. Jerry yeah. does. Uh, Jerry. Jerry's going to be the one to check Roman in some form or fashion at this funeral. That's my prediction. He's nice. gonna bring the only person that can bring Roman back down to earth is Jerry. Let's bring Jerry. Let's go ahead and make sure Roman doesn't. Uh, I don't know what kind of traction he's building up, but I don't like it. So yeah, Jerry's gonna come back and fix the, the whole pick, thing. Jerry. Any any final words on uh, Connor Roy's uh, presidential campaign? Wow. Terrible he's speech. A- Hey man, enjoy Slovenia. <laughs> um, Good riddance. <laughs> I appreciate uh, uh, Willem for for keeping his head up, keeping his chin up, even after he got the bad news about Kentucky. But yeah, Connor gave the shittiest speech I've ever heard. That, that was please, hey. hey, Willem's one ride or die escort. I'll say that, man. That's <laughs> what I was I love That's Willa nice. I mean, I wouldn't mind being with Willa. You should. She's straight. She's she gonna die for you. She's straight, bro. Hey, what what she say? She said Venice for for lunch. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, oh, uh, somewhere else for dinner. Yeah, the Brovnik for breakfast. Brovnik for breakfast, man. Oh, man. man. It'll get much better than that. Facts. That was rich. Well, let's wrap this puppy up, fellas. Thank you all for listening. If you're still here, if you're not here, fuck you. You can't hear me anyway. Until next week, it's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, I'm KP. Mikey Dime. D-Wild. Scotty Tourer. 
Keep on watching. Keep on hating. Keep on tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.